Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. The topic tonight is the art of psychic Reiki. And I guess nice, our guest tonight is Lisa Campion. We're going to bring Lisa on in just a minute. But I wanted to talk to you about the notion of, of the consciousness of you. Consciousness can be such a vague term. It's like saying travel. Well, is that a submarine or a spaceship? Uh, consciousness in and of itself is um, has no definition, perhaps, outside of what somebody might. Uh, define it as a term in a dictionary, like perhaps awareness or, you know, the ability to sense. But um, consciousness, uh, I think, has some real value to it when you approach looking at your own life path as this thread of consciousness. The the curious thing, I think um, consciousness, and more specifically human consciousness, is one of the most powerful paradigms playing out on the planet at this time. In, and and uh, to say a powerful um, paradigm, what is this power that we're talking about? Um, you know, I've, I've stared at dogs and cats for a while, not too many goats, but uh, uh, dogs and cats don't, plan or strategize about next week or next month. They don't, that I know of, think about, oh, shit, we're going to Disneyland next summer. This is going to be great. They don't have the uh, forward-thinking mechanism at play, and this is only from my perception. I reserve the right to be wrong. But the human being, the um, and I don't think we're the only species, but the human being on this planet, human consciousness on this planet, um, is a very powerful aspect of the evolution of humanity, the evolution of the planet, really. And you don't have to look around too much to see perhaps the shadow side of human consciousness, um, ghettos, um, um, strife, suffering, um, uh, the, the wake of humanity, air pollution, water pollution, um, um, trash, and and waste, if you will. I think we're at a really challenging time, and that, that challenging time is really a very powerful opportunity for every single person, every single point of presence of this 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 elixir, this juice, this electricity called consciousness. And don't ever underestimate who you are, the power of your consciousness, the power of your potential. When you sit and let go and let the reins loosen and and daydream and and open up your consciousness to the possibility of being inspired in the moment, the possibility of of literally dreaming the first snapshot of what will become physical form in the future. That's that that daydream is is the introduction, is the birth, is the first moment of, if you will, inspiration and that's why it can change the course of our human story so with that in mind what lisa has done from my perspective is has uh, she's really immersed herself in this fabric of consciousness if you will and and honed it over time the art of psychic reiki in and of itself is 
the art of consciousness, perhaps. So I'm delighted to bring in an episode like this tonight. Um, so let's get into it. The art of psychic Reiki is the name of Lisa's um, latest book. Lisa is a psychic counselor and Reiki master teacher with over 25 years' experience. She has trained more than 1,000 practitioners, including medical professionals, in the hands-on energy healing practice of Reiki and has conducted more than 15,000 individual sessions in her career. She's based near Boston, Massachusetts. She specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers so they can fully step into their gifts, gifts that the world needs. The world needs all the healers they can get. And without further ado, join me in welcoming Lisa to the show. Lisa, welcome to the show tonight. Thanks, Les. Thanks so much for having me on your show. It's, um, it's very cool to listen to your intro and hear you talk about consciousness. It's a great topic. It is, isn't it? We couldn't even be having this conversation without consciousness. Like well, <laughs> right. If we were both unconscious, it'd be uh, pretty much a flat line conversation, so to speak. It would be pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have consciousness, and here we are. What an opportunity! So you've been you've been a, a psychic counselor and a Reiki master teacher for over twenty five years. Can you kind of give us a snapshot of, like, who are we talking to? Who's this, this Lisa Campion? I mean, how how did you kind of come into this, this life path? Um, yeah, yeah. It's a funny story, really, because um, I started working as a psychic when I was 19. And I don't know why I thought I could do it. I mean, I was always one of those kids that saw other things that other people didn't see and I grew up in a really haunted house um and and had just kind of had this sort of oddball childhood um that I I don't know I just it was my life so I just kind of handled it and then when I was 19 it was like in 1982 1983 like in that er time and the new age was really big and people were channeling and um and I decided that's what I wanted to do so I studied um and trained with a um pretty pretty famous uh trans channel and started doing psychic readings. Um and then after a while I decided that I I wanted to help people at a little like an emotional level because the information that would come come up in the readings was very emotional for people. And so I studied counseling and psychology to handle that and added that to my practice. And then about 20 years ago, I added Reiki in because I could see things happening in my clients' bodies, and I wanted a way to access the body and the energy fields. Um, so about 20 years ago, I studied, Reiki, I studied Reiki and started teaching it. And then about 14 years ago, I um, started teaching in an energy medicine school with my business partner, Reese Thomas, and we train healers healers how to and people how to do energy medicine so it's been um it's really i have to say like i've i've been immersed in this world my entire life and that's kind of how i got here well nice i'm glad it brought you here um the uh the idea of doing energy work um the not only the uh it as a modality or a method or a technique but what's actually happening with energy work. Can you give us uh, an idea of how you see um, energy work, I mean, as a modality? What's what's actually happening when you're doing energy work? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think everybody experiences it in a different way. So um, what's what's curious to me that as a psychic I was – able to see energy in my clients you know 
and I would see things going that I didn't understand, colors moving around, blocks in places, like a weird black shadow somewhere, and I didn't know what that meant. So I started to study energy work in a way so that I could have a context for understanding what I was experiencing when I was doing sessions with people. And I think that um, the concept really is that we have uh, uh, we have this luminous. We are these luminous beings, as Yoda said. You know, we're we're made of uh, energy, and we have our physical body. But there's other parts to our being besides our physical body. There's this energetic body that we have, our energy fields. And what energy work does is it works inside the energy field <clears throat> to uh, work our our spiritual side, our emotional side. Our, our mental, you know, our, to clean out our thoughts um, and, and even working on spiritual issues. So I feel like energy work um, approaches healing at the sort of mind, body, and spirit level, you know. So much of what I do in my day-to-day practice, I see about 15 to 20 clients a week, um, is working on helping people release unprocessed emotions, unprocessed trauma, um, and and helping, like, that can kind of get clogged up in our body and in our energy field, and energy work releases that stuff so people are free of pain, free of anxiety, free of depression. Um, you know, they just can release things they've been holding on to for a long time. That's sort of my day-to-day experience of it. Right. So when a client comes in, um, I mean in our in our human life if you will if you look at the attributes that make up how a person experiences life and they come to you with an ailment or or some kind of disease um is it is it always like a linear thing in the sense that okay i'm um perhaps somebody comes to you um with perhaps depression, and then once you start working with them, um, the actual um, mechanism within their psyche that is producing depression is it always um, obvious, or do you do you find that um, what what's really the problem can be kind of a tangent from what's expected? In other words, so I'm a client and I have. I have an issue or a, a, that I want resolved, and when I come to you, you find out that it's really not related to what might seem obvious at the time. Do you know? What I'm, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, I I think it's almost never linear. So I feel like a lot of times I'm like a detective, you know. And I people will come in with a presenting issue, and depression is a really common common depression and anxiety, chronic pain, um, people who are who feel stuck, people who are stuck in their trauma, people they can't move in their lives or they're having a crisis. Those are kind of the, the most common things people come to see me for. But if we go to your depression example, I I don't I don't ever feel like I know it's sort of like grabbing the, the the tail end of a big ball of yarn <laughs> and you start pulling on it to see like what, you know, how how yeah. is it going to untangle? And I sure. I have like a very deep curiosity um and, and sort of an open-minded non-judgmental curiosity about I really think people are incredibly interesting and are um so I'm 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 just very curious and interested in well what if I pull on this what happens like and I don't know what's going to happen. It can be anything. It can be past life issues, it could be family lineage problems, it could be um, trauma they've had in their childhood or in their adulthood that they haven't handled yet, um, it could be environmental stuff, bad relationships, it could be anything, there's a there's hundred things it could be. And as we start sort of pulling on that, that, that thread, what unravels? That's kind of how I approach it. I like that metaphor, pulling on a thread. So... You have a you have a interesting um, perspective in that you've been doing this for several decades. So if you were to just look at the human persona, if you will, 
and you've had, you know, thousands of episodes where human personas come in front of your uh, psychic awareness, um, is there a like a scale or a um, uh, I don't want to say status, but kind of a an operating condition? So what I'm looking at is. Um, if somebody's really healthy, they're they're balanced, they're centered, they're focused, they're happy, they're at peace. That's a persona. That's a possibility in our human condition. And then if we kind of flip all that over, and and the, they have a very difficult time, and they're suffering with chronic uh, disease or um, pain. And their their mental psyche is is challenging, and their emotional psyche is challenging. I mean, what is this human persona, and and where are we going with it when we quote heal? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I would kind of want to joke around and say, um, you know, people Please never do. come to me when they're having a good day. <laughs> like I, I really see people, I, I wish somebody would stop by my office and be like, I just came to tell you I was feeling great. You know, so right. pretty much that doesn't happen. Pretty much everyone that comes to me, they're, they're having a thing. They're, they're in pain. They're, that's why you go to a healer because you've got a problem, you know? Um, but I, I do feel observe. I do observe that we are sort of t- split into two parts. So we have, I mean, a lot more than that, really. But the two parts that I look at first are who are you as a personality? And your personality is like the part of you that gets gets up and has breakfast and goes to work and takes out the trash and has problems and watches TV or whatever you do. And then we have this aspect of our soul, you know. And I'm really interested and curious about both of these, but particularly the level of the soul. Who are you at this deeper uh, part? Where, where has your soul been? What are, and that I see that as past lives. Past lives are very easy for me to see. Um, and because I look at the level of the soul, I think I, I can access that information. And what is your soul purpose? What is your life purpose that you're doing? What's incredible about you? What's amazing about you? Um, at that soul level, where maybe are you challenged and where are you going? And that I can see like a narrative. It's almost like a story um, that's that's so beautiful and moving to me. Like it's, um, I always say like my client, working with clients, it's like Christmas morning. It's like opening a present and seeing what's inside. And because I Hi. like people, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you know, what's inside this package? And the personality is the package, you know, and the soul is what's in the package, right? So I'm, I feel always honored, thrilled, um, touched when I get an opportunity to really look at the – and I find people to be beautiful and, and amazing. Um, and then I, I think we have difficulties in, you know, sometimes those parts don't get along or understand each other very well you know and that um sure. they have different agenda they have different agendas so your your personality has an agenda which is to have a nice comfortable life to be at ease to have comfort and safety and security and 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 have things go kind of smoothly and your soul doesn't really care about that your soul is looking for this deeper evolution more of the consciousness stuff you were talking about in the beginning beginning your soul is more interested in that and so we 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 get into difficulties when our when the, these two parts of ourselves aren't in harmony, and that that's where I my work that's my place where I like to help people. Well, I like that. And so you've shared with us that you were you were aware of this uh, ability within yourself fairly early in your life. So. Um, I also do energy work, but I didn't come into it. Um, right off the top, I was probably mid to late 30s um, before I even even thought that maybe, just maybe, there was something there. 
And then the more I honored it, the more it blossomed and whatnot. But as a listener, so I'm sitting here listening to this episode, and when when people have the idea that they're they might have uh, the modality of of an energy worker within their persona and within their life path, really, but they haven't really saw it um, for what it is. Um, how would you? What would you say to to perhaps budding energy workers who are not sure of themselves to begin with? Well, that's one of the things that I like so much about Reiki. So Reiki is one of those um, entry level. We say it's sort of like the gateway drug. You know, it's an entry point into a bigger world for a lot of people. It's very easy to learn. It's very. Um, it's it's very foolproof, it's very comforting, it's it's really kind of uh, a miracle, I think. Um, and in one of those things, it's like Reiki, yoga, meditation are opening um, gateways for people that are spiritually seeking, you know, and a lot of people will stumble into those um, those techniques. And to me, it's incredible because back in the day, like, many, many, many moons ago, those things were, like, taught in secret mystery schools. Like, you'd have to go to climb the mountain in Tibet and wait outside the door and pray that the llamas would open the door and then let you in if you proved yourself worthy, and then they would teach you yoga, reiki, and and meditation, you know. And here we have that on every street corner. That's incredible to me. Like, it's so cool. And, And so reiki is an incredible, any of those things, are incredible um, entry points into this into this world of energy, this world of, of 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 spirituality and energy. And Reiki is is so great because it, your hands get hot when you practice Reiki. When you receive a Reiki attunement, um, and you practice Reiki, you can put your hands on yourself and your hands get hot. You can put your hands on your skeptical spouse, and they're like, "Oh my God, what's going on? I can feel that." You know, um, you you can really feel what's happening in a very tangible way. Um, and I, I find that for people that are studying Reiki, each level, there's three levels in Reiki, um, is usually life-changing for them. Some big change, some big shift, some big opening um, happens when you walk down that path. So I'm, right, I'm I like really that. love, yeah, I really love to teach Reiki um, and to teach, you know, the energy medicine school that I teach in is more like, sort of a PhD program would be it's a three year right. program. It you know, it's very intense, you're really committed. Um and, and there's a tremendous amount of personal growth that happens inside that um process. But I, I do um love teaching Reiki and one of the things that I notice, especially because I'm a psychic, is that as I would teach people Reiki, it increased their sensitivity. So if if you're empathic and sensitive, studying Reiki will make you more that way. If you have psychic tendencies, studying Reiki will open those for you. And it was sad for me um, to see that that was scary for people. Um, they become scared, overwhelmed, upset. I had a person um, come to me and say, one of my clients, she said, well, yeah, I studied Reiki for a little while, but I felt like it opened this portal, and I was getting all this psychic stuff, and it freaked me out, so I stopped doing it. And I was like, wow, well, that's bad. What, well, what do you reckon uh, put that in their uh, their persona to begin with? Well, I think that these gifts all come together for a purpose, right? So people who are empathic, so empaths, Feel if you an empath, you know, you put your hands on somebody, they feel in their body what the, that person is feeling in their body, and empaths feel emotionally. They can tell what you're feeling emotionally because they're feeling it. And I believe that though that is the perfect diagnostic tools for healers, helpers, caregivers. So people who are empathic are called as healers a lot of the times. And I think the same thing for psychics and intuitives, like though. Those gifts often come in the same person. They come in the same package. And that is 
explored the purpose of being using it as a healer in some way. And not everybody who's a healer is going to do what I do, where you have a private practice. You might be doing your healing work in, in a kindergarten class, or you might be a nurse, or you might be a mom, or you might be a corporate person and bringing your healing work to your you know the people around you there there were there are many ways to be to do healing work in the world um and i think that we that there's a certain set of healers that have all of those gifts together and that she was that person was one of those people those are my people those are the people i like to work with nice well you brought up the the topic of being an empath i mean as to think of it as a skill set or a gift, but um, being sensitive to energy and I mean, so you, for example, yourself, um, you're intentionally um, sensitive to energy and and you're comfortable in that arena. Yet there's, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people that are traversing time and space on this beautiful planet. And the the psychic energy, if you will, of the collective consciousness, of the social media, of media in general. I mean, there's some, um, uh, we're kind of in a tempest or a storm, if you will, of psychic energy. And if you're an empath and you don't know it, so to speak, I mean, um, what are some of the attributes an empath might experience especially if they're not aware that they're empathic. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's easy for me now, but that's because I, I worked really, really hard at, at finding a way to manage it. And I had to work really hard because I was so sensitive that I I, I couldn't almost function, you know. And I, I always say I spent the first 20 years of my life looking for the off switch. How do I turn off the psychic? How do I turn off the, the sensitivity in the empath? And most untrained empaths will feel that way. They feel like it's not a gift, it's a big curse, and they wish they could give that gift back if that's a gift they want to give it away. They'll feel um, anxiety, social anxiety. Often they're they're quite depressed. They have um, sometimes addiction problems. Um, will turn to substance addiction for to try and turn off the feelings, the overstimulation. Um, empaths tend to, you know, dislike crowds of people and going into places with a lot, like places like big box stores are very, is very challenging with a lot of lights and sounds and um, EMF radiation is is tricky for them too. So they they tend to feel sort of overwhelmed by people in the world. Um, They need a lot of alone time. They can be introverted um, and, 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 all of that can be handled. So we can learn how to manage our sensitivities. It's not that hard to do. There's easy techniques we do we can do to manage that. And it, it's I, you know, it's very. There's this horrible catch-22. It makes me really feel sad uh, for them because I I know it's my problem. It's been my conundrum in life too. But so we have this calling to be a healer in the world, and yet the world is very difficult. And sometimes when we're called to do healing work, the very places where we need to go are super challenging for us. Like, what do you do if you want to work in hospice or you become a nurse or work in a psych hospital or something like where the people are that need you and you're overly sensitive? How do we manage that? So there, once you get trained in how to manage your sensitivity, it becomes possible to do those things. So when you get you know, trained, is there an on-off switch, or is it more of a how you how you approach it kind of thing? I think it's like a habit. So empaths have a habit of being like um, spongy, porous, open, and this is kind of going back to the energy field. I see that outer edge of our energy field of our personal energy bubble on an empath. That outer edge is like a sponge, and that's why people call empaths a psychic sponge and empaths need to change their habit or can easily learn to change their habit of being spongy so we can do things that make the outer edge of our energy field more solid so we can be in the world and not be impacted so much by it we need to learn how to ground and stay in our body 
We need to learn how to clear the energy we've picked up from other people. We need to learn how to fill and replace the energy that uh, we lose because when you have a spongy energy field, you have a lot of energy loss, so empaths are often fatigued. So when when we do that through learning how to manage our energy field, we can be in the world in a much easier way. So I think it's more like so, changing a habit. Right, I, li- I like that. Um so if I if I'm beginning to consider myself an empath and I'm beginning to recognize that when I'm tired it's not always about me and when I have feelings it's not always about me. I mean, what are some just some basic tools for people to um kind of get back on their own feet if you will after a tough day or if they go through a psychic uh, episode in the public? I mean, what are some just some basic tools to help empaths cope if if they're just uh, beginning to re- recognize that they are indeed empathic? Yeah, there's so many different things you can do, and I think finding something that works um, for you is important. Um, I've been I've been a lifelong meditator, so I like meditation. Um, my parents were hippies and took me to transcendental meditation when I was ten. <laughs> Um, Because that's what you did when you were a hippie, and it was 1974. So so I like meditation, and I use uh, breathing meditation. And uh, it's something, sort of the first thing that I teach my empathic students, which is really to imagine or pretend that you're breathing light in the top of your head. And you're going to breathe that right into your belly and your heart. And on your exhale breath, you're going to breathe down your legs and out the bottoms of your feet. And on the exhale breath, you're going to release all the stuff that you picked up. The inhale breath fills you with light to replace your lost energy. The exhale releases the stuff that you've picked up. And then you can really imagine that outer edge of your bubble as being more solid. And when we get good at this, this is a habit thing. When we get good at that, like I can do it in about 10 breaths. And I do it in between clients. I do it when I come out of the supermarket I do it when I, you know, have I do it before the radio show that we are we're on right now, you know, it's my kind of prepping myself for um it's like brushing your teeth really. It's like this hygiene you can do for your energy field. And that doesn't always work for people. Some empaths really need nature. The empaths tend to love the outdoors, they love animals, they love nature, they like to be alone. So walking your dog in the woods might be a great cure for you. Um, I'm a big fan of of um, water as a really works for me. So taking a shower with intention or getting in a bathtub filled with so, some salt water and some essential oils. If I've had a really heavy day, of, if I've done a lot of psychic readings in one day, I take a tub um, and then then I do some meditation before I go to bed. Some people like crystals or essential oils. There's, you know, lots of things, too, we can do that sort of uh, heal, other healing modalities get plenty of Reiki yourself. This is why I like Reiki, too, because love, with Reiki Level 1, you learn self-healing techniques. So you learn how to do Reiki on yourself, and I think that's extremely beneficial for people that are sensitive. Well, I like that. So... Now, let's talk about your book, The Art of Reiki. Um, how How is it an art it, if it's if it's not um, um, mental, I guess, or or uh, really regimented in form? What is the arc of psychic Reiki? Um, you know, I think it's like it in my early life. I studied martial arts. So I was a martial artist. I studied Okinawan karate for, you know, 10 or 15 years. And I, I studied it. It's a very old school style of martial arts. And to me, that martial arts was like an art form. You know, it's not like it wasn't really like a fighting school. It was really um, this incredible art, the katas and the forms that we did, very beautiful and when I studied martial arts, it was really the first, I was quite young, the first time that I learned to feel energy moving, you know, moving in my body, moving between people. And um, and it, it was had a really powerful, lifelong effect on me. 
And Reiki is from Japan, like the same kind of martial arts that I had, that I studied. And so I, I really saw it like an art, like martial arts is like an art, you know. Not so much like a painting or, or you know, a sculpture, that kind of art, but more like that old school martial arts art form. Um, and that that's how I teach it, and um, that's how I experience it. So that's partly why the title came out that way. So if I'm a listener, um, wh- what kind of uh, ailments does Reiki work with? I mean, who's your ideal client? You know, it's really interesting because Reiki out here on the East Coast, like where I live, you know, right outside of Boston, Reiki is very popular here. And it's used in all of the big Boston hospitals. And I have to say Boston has some of the best hospitals in the world. Like it's a big hospital city, teaching hospital, you know, research hospitals. Um, And almost all of them have Reiki in the hospitals now. So, you know, you can come here to the hospital and – call the they have this complementary and alternative medicine units in the hospitals and mostly they're Reiki people. They will come and bring Reiki to your hospital room pre and post surgery. If you go to the Dana Farber Cancer Institute for Cancer Treatments, you can have a Reiki person come and give you Reiki treatments while you're receiving chemotherapy because they've done a lot of research that Reiki is extremely helpful in in those cases. Um so I, but for me, it's mostly deep depression, anxiety, and chronic pain. You know, I think that it's also very effective for that. Um, that's mostly where where people find it. And those things are hard. They're hard to treat. What do you do if you have depression and chronic pain? You don't want to take narcotics. You know, there, people are looking for alternative ways to handle health problems where our our medical um, model, the allopathic and Western medicine, doesn't really have an answer for them. Right. Well, I, I, I'm very impressed, really, to hear that Reiki is part of the modality in these hospitals. Um, I, I think that's a very powerful combination because, I mean, if there's a bone sticking out of your skin, you've broken something. A Western hospital is very handy. <laughs> yeah. And and then to fold in Reiki, that's that's a powerful story. Well, how long yeah. does it take to learn Reiki? You know, it really depends on the teacher that you're studying with. Um, you know, I teach Reiki level one in a weekend um, where, you know, it's pretty simple to learn. Um, it involves learning hand placements. You know, I teach a little history. What is Reiki? What can it do? Sort of the basics we've been talking about. Um, and you learn where to put your hands on on um, yourself or in Reiki 1, I teach how to do hand positions for somebody that's sitting in a chair. It's very handy to learn how to do that. I call it kitchen table Reiki because a lot of times you're going to, you don't, you might not have a massage table handy <laughs> and you're going to want to work on somebody who's sitting in a chair. And um, that takes, you know, about a weekend to learn it. And the other thing that's involved is, to receive what's called an attunement. So the Reiki teacher does this attunement um, that allows, it's sort of a combination of breathing, a breathing pattern, and using these Reiki symbols. Um, They're like ancient Japanese calligraphy symbols to open and change the energy field of the person receiving the attunement. That allows them to connect with this very specific frequency that Reiki is. Well, that that attunement sounds like it changes you. I mean, you just mentioned it's changing your energy field. Yep. So it's very powerful. So, so to become a Reiki practitioner is really about uh, a personal journey, perhaps a, a personal transformation, if you will. Wouldn't you say? Yes. I think it's it's impossible really to do that to do it without that. So. You know, there, there's always there's something about being a healer and having the healer archetype, or working as a healer, where we're always I always say we're we're our first and best clients, <laughs> we're our own first and best clients. So we're constantly, I think, called to work on ourselves to to do healing work, 
to um, psychics call it clearing the channel, you know, like getting your own stuff out of the way. And and if you're working as a healer or learning studying healing, the the first person you're working on is yourself always. Right. Well, I like that. Um, so the, the more you work with Reiki, um, and uh, earlier in the episode you talked about um, the, the, the soul aspect of people where there's kind of like this continuity of story, perhaps, from lifetime to lifetime. Um, touch on the notion of bringing... Um, I guess, issues or um, conditions, bringing conditions from your past, your past life, your past lives. Um, just just give us an overview of, of what you can bring with you into this lifetime that has nothing to do with this lifetime per se. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, question for me. I'm, I'm very interested in this, and I see it a lot in... Um, kind of those issues that people are are very hardwired to. So I had, for example, today I had a client who um, is a really lovely woman, very attractive, beautiful woman, and she just has the worst luck with relationships. She's really been through it and um, and can't figure it out. She's like a lovely person in every way and seems to attract uh, partners, men who are, are very mean to her, betray her. Um, it doesn't work out for her. And so the, what, and she's like, I don't know why. Like, I can't figure out, like, I had good parents. Like, I came from a good family. Like, I've been to therapy. Like, why is this such a thing for me? And so I, my, I start pulling on the thread. Like, you know, like, okay, let's, let's figure out what this is. And right away what I saw was a series of past lives where a whole bunch of them, like five lifetimes where she had, where she just had super difficulties in her relationship. She'd been betrayed um, by a man, like murdered by a man, you know, um, by her husband or her lover, and and just had had was sort of really carrying all of that baggage, all that mistrust um, and and fear into this lifetime. Um, and on top of that, I think that she had collected at least one of those people. Um, from that past life into this life as an opportunity to try and heal. Like sometimes we can't heal. We have horrible traumas that happen and we can't heal them because we're dead or we're, you know, we've moved on in some way. And and I believe the soul is always looking for equilibrium, always trying to heal. And she had set up this lifetime as an opportunity, as a potential to heal her karmic pain, her karmic you know, wounds around relationships and men. Every other aspect of her life was great. She had money. She had a fabulous career. You know, she had good family. But she could this one thing she really struggled with. And as we worked with it, like knowing that's what it was, seeing the pictures, hearing the story, understanding the contract between her and this one particular person helped her to understand what was going on and what she needed to do to really, like, let it go and heal it so she could, you know, completely release that and pull in a healthy, happy relationship for herself. So when when you do when you do that healing, I mean, um, is it from the perspective of Reiki, where within their psyche, within their energetic persona, there's an an energy blockage, or or is it a, a, a bringing her awareness to the mechanism um, within both. her psyche? The, the the tendency is it's some of both of that. Yeah, it's both. So you know, I do the energy energy work to help release the energy, and it was very emotional for her. So she was really crying and really you know uh, angry like she was having a lot of emotions so reiki is really supportive to emotional release you know so um it was quite good for her to like let it all out <laughs> you know and um sure. and then you know as it that information was hitting her consciousness i could feel it begin to unwind like that the grip it had on her was letting go she, once we see the pattern, like once we bring something into our consciousness, it begins to unwind. 
I think, no matter what it is. Um, so that was happening, and the Reiki sort of facilitates, the energy work facilitates the um, releasing the whatever, if it's emotional or, or mental energy that's stuck around it. Yeah, there's something about energy work in the way that it transcends um, the mind, if you will, the ego, if you will, the analytical mind, because energy is is and of itself like a substance, and you can have an empathic um, hit or a relationship with it and get information from it just as pure energy, just as energy. And I, I think it's uh, um, doing energy work is uh, it's kind of curious that way to just like energetically um, sense or sample um, what energy is there uh, as information that might relate to the flip side of it, which is the ego story of, oh, I, I perhaps with your example, I always have problems with relationships with men, and I have this repetitive pattern. And, and that language, that dialogue, is the ego, the human being, describing their life. But what they're also describing is, an energetic composition within their own psyche, if you will. So it's it's yeah. it seems like a one-two punch to go in and look at the energy, and 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 psychically sense um, what's in their persona, and then kind of step out of that and go into dialogue with them and listen to them describe what they desire in their life. It sounds like a very powerful combination. Well, I think it is, you know, and um and it, I think we always have to work like emotion, you know, our our emotions, our our thoughts, our mental being, our physical being and our spiritual being, you know? Like we have to kind of come at it when we have these big core wounds, these big core issues that we all have, everybody's got a bunch of them. You know, the way to really get around it is to to bring in all of those threads. So we have a way to access emotion. We have a way to look at our thinking. We have a way to get in the body. We have a way to be in the psyche or the soul, you know, um, because I think there's this intersection where it's all happening, you know, in the crossroads of that intersection, and that's where we have to be. And for me, energy work is, you know, the the way that I experience it is the way in to that, that center place. Well, I like that. So um, as far as um, your modality or your practice, um, when you work with clients, is it uh, one-on-one or do you do distance Reiki or over the phone or Skype perhaps? I mean, what what kind of a practice uh, do you offer? I have um, – I do see clients in my office um, here in Massachusetts. They, you know, they come in physically about a – a lot of my practice, half or more, are long-distance sessions. So I do phone and Skype sessions. I love Skype sessions because it's it's fun to see, you know, to see the person. That's really great. Um, and then it, it doesn't really matter, you know, if we're at phone or Skype, it's going to be the same work you're going to get on the table, you know, if you're in the room with me. So distance doesn't seem to matter. And there there's been a lot of actually really interesting studies um, that say that long-distance healing is more effective than in-person healing, um, and they've they've done a lot of research on this. I personally love to get my hands on somebody if I can, like get them in my office. Um, it's 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 powerful, but long-distance works great. Yeah, I like the I like the in-person energy work as well. There's something yeah. about it that there is that, yeah uh, intriguing. Well, I think we all, I tend to touch my clients. Like, I mean, I always ask if it's okay, but I really like to work with my hands on. And many Reiki practitioners don't. They work, or energy practitioners work with their hands a few inches off the body. But I feel like touch is such a basic human need. And we don't get very much, you know, loving, nurturing, non-sexual touch in our life, you know. And, And I think we have this. It's like, you know, your dog always, 
I have a, I have a golden retriever. He like always wants me to pat him. And there's that part of us that always wants that kind of contact and we it's we're so starved of it. So I think it's if we can get it, it's good. Nice, I like that. Well, so when we talk about your book, The Art of Psychic Reiki, who's your book written for? Um, it's got a couple people in mind. So um, one one group of people that might really like it are people that are curious about Reiki and want to learn Reiki, that they're new to the topic. Oh, I've heard about Reiki. I've always wanted to learn it. That would be good. And I cover in my book Reiki Level 1 and Reiki Level 2. And the other group... Um, would be people that are already studying Reiki and want to add in the psychic part because it's it's very hard to find a Reiki teacher that does both. So when you have, if you are that sensitive empath or a person that's, that's you know, has some psychic ability and you study Reiki, um, you've studied Reiki in the past and it's it has opened you when you don't know what to do, that's, very, my book is, really kind of a, it's sort of 50-50 Reiki, like a Reiki manual, and the other half is psychic development and energy management. I like that. Well, what's some, uh, when we talk about psychic development, what's some um, perhaps simple things we can do to um, awaken to our own psychic abilities? Yeah, it's. I think everyone has some psychic ability. I think it's quite normal and part of our human evolutionary sen- self, you know. Um, and that one of the mo- the biggest things we can do is start paying attention. So lots of us get intuitive hits, or we get information from our inner guidance that we ignore. We do it all the time, and your your mind will talk you out of it um, all the time. And so honoring paying attention to it honoring when it comes up is super important the other thing we think we have to do is act on it so if you get a lot of intuitive psychic hits and you never never act on them it begins to like dry up your you know that sort of it won't come anymore that muscle will atrophy and you won't get more so now i'm not saying like act on every single crazy whim that you have but honor again it's an honoring like i'm going to honor my intuition and 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 you know and do it this way instead of that way um or i don't have a good feeling about that how many times have we said i don't have a good feeling about that and we do it anyway <laughs> you know um and or i knew that was going to happen that those are two really common um ex- people experiencing their own intuition um so and then i think we have to make time to listen so Psychic and intuition stuff happens when we're in a particularly quiet, receptive state. It happens the best when we're in an alpha brainwave. So, you know, our normal waking consciousness is like gamma and and the beta brainwave. That alpha is sort of that very, like, laid-back, creative place we get to when we're meditating or when we're washing the dishes or taking a shower or mowing the lawn or doing creative things like knitting or or quilting or that kind of those quieter activities, repetitive activities, driving puts you into that state. Um, and like I said, I'm a meditator, so I love to meditate. Not every, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but as long as you have some kind, some time every day, you're quiet and listening. That's really important too. We pay attention, we honor, and we spend time quiet and listening. That's how we get more of it. Well, I, I like that. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. Um, do you have any, um, well, first of all, how how does the listener connect with you? I mean, how do they work with you? The best way is to come right onto my website, lisacampion.com, um, and there I have psychic development classes and empathy training classes, um, of all different kinds, very um, free information, very cheap information, and more ex- um, expensive and complicated classes, all available on my website, and also information about how to book a session. 
Um, you get my online calendars right there, my email, my phone number, everything you would need is on there. And if you uh, wanted to buy my book, which would be awesome, definitely please buy my book. Um, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads. It's around. Well, very nice. Um, so do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Well, I thank you so much for being, you know, listening and um I hope that you um that you got something interesting out of this and thank you so much Les for having me on your show. It was such an awesome conversation for me um to be able to talk at this length and depth about this topic. So I so appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you for being our guest. It's been my delight and pleasure having you as our guest tonight. Thank you, me too. We've been talking with Lisa Campion, and the topic tonight has been the art of psychic Reiki. And I really like the idea of of talking about this vehicle of consciousness that we all are, This um, talking about the psychic ability and talking about the Reiki or perhaps the energy healing modality, if you will. And then... You can, you as a listener can sit there and look at your life and say, well, what's working in my life and what's not working in my life? And when we can put some context to this thing called us, this human persona, this human archetype, if you will, if we can, if we can put some context to it, it helps us understand um, who we are, what we're going through, and and what we can do to change our condition, to change our circumstance. It's always a powerful thing to take the time to to work on yourself and uh, to develop who you are, to evolve, if you will, your consciousness, because there's there's so much opportunity on this planet at this time for the evolution of consciousness. And I always, I mean, this radio show has has really kind of targeted human consciousness as a vehicle of change for not only ourselves, but for humanity. And so many of us have very, very powerful life paths. We could talk about the opportunity of this lifetime on this planet as a as an a powerful, powerful, I can't say that word enough, okay, one more time, powerful opportunity for us to show up, to show up for humanity. We're at, a, we're at such a dynamic time. Uh, there's such an upheaval of our human condition right now. And in that chaos, there's plenty of people that are confused, overwhelmed, exhausted, and and for you to be the persona, for you to be the the awareness, if you will, the consciousness, if you will, that shows up and says, well, damn, I mean, I'm no sproctologist, but um, why don't we do this? I mean, what I'm saying is you can be the point of inspiration, the point of the new paradigm. Uh, humanity is very hungry for a more uh, authentic story for a more authentic truth to hang our hat on, if you will, in a sense of where are we going? What's the the direction, the vector that humanity is taking? Many of us have very powerful life purposes that perhaps transcend the mythology of the past. In other words, we have a life path picked by our soul to be personified in this lifetime here on earth now that perhaps is unlike any other um, uh, trajectory, if you will, personal trajectory of of the mythology of the past. Um, I'm so glad you chose to join us here on the New Human Living Radio Show. We're all about the power of human consciousness, the power of you. Some people get intimidated when they talk about their own personal power, but no, every one of us is the personification of source consciousness. And when you can step up and own that power, 
you can be a powerful player in this in this human storyline. And I tell you what, your ego will be so flippin' excited, happy, satisfied, and fulfilled when you fully embody the idea that your soul had for what this lifetime could be for you. I'm your host, Les Jensen. I'm so glad you chose to join up to listen in for yourself. It's been my pleasure sharing this episode with you. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.